You tweet a lot. I, I use my tweets to express myself. <laughs> Some people oh use God. their hair. I use Twitter. Well, but you use your tweeting to, to kind of get back at critics. Rarely. You, have, you kind of have little wars with the press. Twitter is a war zone. If somebody's going to jump in the war zone, it's like, okay, you're in the arena. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's, uh, hello, First Amendment. It's pretty, like, freedom of speech is fundamental. But, but how do they know if it's going to move the market if they're not reading all of them before you send them? Well, I guess uh, we might make some mistakes. Who knows? <laughs> Are you serious? Nobody's perfect. You doing, you radicals? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. It is Monday, April 18th in the year 2022, and that was noted internet extremist Elon Musk on 60 Minutes a couple years ago being remarkably consistent about what he believes and why he believes it, and that is going to be the theme of the show today because you know Ladies and gentlemen, we are in what I have called the post-woke world. It is here. You just have to see it and strengthen it. It's on the way. It's coming. Yes, the woke world still exists, and those wokesters are going to keep destroying whatever is left of the old world, but a new post-woke world is being built right now. Uh, before we get to it, I just want to say that I hope you all had a wonderful Easter and Passover holiday. I have to say, you know, we did, we went up to, to Jersey to my aunts and uncles with my folks and cousins and a lot of kids and aunts and uncles and everybody else. And uh, we read the, the Passover Seder as I've done for my entire life, 45 years on earth, two times a year. That's about 90 times. And I have to say, I probably found it more meaningful this year than any other year. You know, the story of man's eternal quest for freedom. I really, it was really hitting me like, oh, that has a little something to do perhaps with why I believe the things I believe and why I fight for the things I believe in every day on this show. Uh, there was a particular passage in, in the Seder that I took a picture of. I'll, I'll post it. I actually did post it in the Locals community. Uh, if you want to take a look at rubenreport.locals.com, just all about freedom and man's desire to find freedom wherever it is and, and yearning for liberty and freedom and all of these things. Um, and, and the other piece that was really interesting to me this past, uh, Seder, uh, was that it means it makes more sense. A story about a bunch of Hebrews going through the desert for 40 years and getting mana from heaven and dealing with 10 plagues and the Pharaoh and splitting the Red Sea and all this stuff. It actually made more sense than anything going on in our secular world today. What does that tell you? Like we're, we're living in a world where they tell us boys are girls and girls are boys and non-racists are racist, two plus two is five, blah, blah, blah. All the usual insanity that is just like thought of as normalcy, right? And now I'm reading this 5,000 year old story, right? This story that people have been telling for a long, long time. That, uh, that sounds like it's of these crazy things. Frogs are falling out of the sky. Fire and urine, killing of the first son, the freaking, the river is splitting and it was making more sense. I think there's maybe something there. I suspect that some of you had similar experiences, whether it was a Passover Seder or whether it was at uh, church during Easter, but regardless, and whether you believe that stuff literally or figuratively or anything else, hope you had a great weekend. I'm feeling very refreshed. And by the way, the big tour 
It is starting this week. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow night, the Don't Burn This Country book tour kicks off in West Palm Beach with Don Jr. There's a couple tickets left for that one. Benny Johnson in Clearwater the next night. The next night after that, Andrew Claven in Raleigh, North Carolina. Then after that, a lot of shows in a row. Michael Malice in Atlanta. Then Yanmi Park in Chicago. Glenn Beck in Dallas. Megan McCain in D.C. Megan Kelly in West Nyack, New York. Dennis Prager in Brea, California. Larry Elder in Oxnard. Dennis uh, Douglas Murray in San Jose. Blake Masters and Charlie Kirk in Phoenix, Arizona. Brian Callen in Denver. And then finally, and this is uh, important to note, June 2nd, the Orlando show has been rescheduled. It was supposed to be tonight. We had a major guest, a big timer. I'm talking top of the list guest. Couldn't do it tonight, so we decided to move it. I can't publicly announce who it is just yet, but it's happening, I assure you. We have all the clearances, the things have been signed. I can announce the guest on May 2nd, but the show is on June 2nd, and you can buy tickets for all of the shows right now at DaveRubin.com slash events. Okay, so today's show, the theme is about how to create that post-woke world, how to let go of all of the nonsense that these people have thrust upon us and how to actually start building the new world. And that guy, Elon Musk, who I just showed you in the cold open, he is leading it. He is saying, I will fight the entire freaking system. And the entire freaking system, you know what it's doing, Tim? The ridiculous hit pieces in Business Insider and in Bloomberg and Washington Post and the scary, mean Elon Musk is coming for free speech. The guy trying to defend free speech, he's coming for free speech because they will have you believing that up is down and left is right and good is bad. But he is one man with extraordinary means, but he is still one man and he is standing up against that machine. And I think that's the model that we've been looking for. So the theme today is how do you stand up? Because we have a chance, but it's on you, good people. Before we talk to you about that, though, I want to talk to you about meat and pork and other meaty such things. Uh, Did you know that 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese? And their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you'll find it in your grocery aisle every day. There's a better way. I'd like to tell you guys about Moink. That's Moo Plus Oink. I've got some in my freezer right now. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. And as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time. I've gotten a whole bunch of bone-in ribeyes, and I've got pretty much everything. I got salmon. I got all kinds of stuff. Uh, Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. And Ring Doorbell founder Jamie Siminoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. Plus, they guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got Moinked. Keep American farming by going up and signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now. And listeners of this show get free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time, spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Ruben. That's moinkbox.com slash Ruben. Okay. So let's dive into this Elon Musk Twitter situation a little bit further. And again, I want to stress all of this because this story ain't going away for a while and it shouldn't. And I pray to the Lord that it has a good resolution that it is not vital that you're on Twitter. 
And I admire a lot of you that are not on Twitter and you're probably happier for not being on Twitter. However, Twitter in essence right now is the public square. The way all of our politicians, all of our tastemakers, all of our culturally relevant people communicate with each other and then get ideas out to people is through Twitter. Now that may be evil, that may be wrong. Twitter may be screwing us, screwing with us in all sorts of ways, and it likely is. But it exists as that thing right now. And Elon Musk is simply coming in and saying, I would like to clean it up. I would like it to be a little more respectful of free speech. So he just did a TED talk. He was part of a TED talk over the last couple of days. And he was asked, why does he want to buy Twitter? want to pay out 40 or whatever it is billion dollars in cash you'd, you'd like them to come come with you in, in, in the yeah but it's, it's I mean I mean I could technically afford it um, I, I heard that I heard that um, but 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 it's but what I'm saying is this is this is this is a this is not a, a, a way to sort of make money you know I think this is it's just that I think this is um, this could my, my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all. That's pretty great. And you know, I always say this thing about when someone's telling the truth, you can kind of feel it. You know, even though he a little bit fumbled through what he said there, the, the two phrases that were pretty beautiful he wants something to be maximally trusted. Now think about that phrase for just a second. We have almost no trust in any of our institutions right now. Nobody turns on the news and trusts the news. The information that you get if you go to college is largely filtered through leftist ideology. We all know that there's so few people that are trusted. We don't even have, say, what we had 10 years ago of things that should be somewhat apolitical that we all kind of agreed we sort of liked. Oprah was sort of generally liked by people. David Letterman was generally liked by people. We don't have anything that's sort of commonly bringing us together and roughly trusted, even if you disagree with the politics of it. So maximally trusted, great phrase. And then he said broadly inclusive. So what does he mean by that? Broadly inclusive, that roughly we'll try to get as many ideas on here as possible and treat them equally. I'm adding that part secondly, but I think that's really what he means by broadly. Like we're gonna get ideas on here and we're not gonna be censoring people. That's what we want. And then of course, what that is all couched in is this idea that he's saying, this, this isn't about money. He's got the money. He says he's got the money. It's a lot of cash and he's got it. But he's not doing this for financial purposes. And how do you know he's not doing it for financial purposes? Because if he was, well, first off, there's not a lot of money to be made at Twitter. Twitter doesn't seem to be making a lot of money. The stock of Twitter is basically valued at exactly what it was valued at when it went publicly in 2013. That's not what a successful public company does. You want a public company to go up like a hockey stick, right? You want to see this incredible growth, incredible revenue, all of the distribution, all of this stuff going up so that the shareholders are making more money. So the company becomes more successful, starts acquiring other companies, maybe goes into other avenues, all sorts of things. It's not doing any of those things. However, it does have a death grip on our ability to communicate with each other. So he's saying, this is not really a business thing that I'm doing. I think for a vital functioning democracy, which I would like to live in, which I would like my kids to live in a world that has these things, I am willing to do this. Uh, well, then he continued and talked about some real life consequences related to all of this. 
And a good sign as to whether so there is free speech is, uh, is, is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like? And if that is the case, then we have free speech. And it's, it's damn annoying when someone you don't like says something you don't like. That is a sign of a healthy, functioning, uh, free speech situation. Think about how they are trying to frame him as the bad guy right now. Saturday Night Live, which is a former comedy show, which is just pure corporate trash right now, uh, they did a joke this past weekend. I, I obviously I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I don't even have cable. I wouldn't even know how to get the channel anymore. Um, but they did a joke this week that he's basically buying Twitter because he's a white guy and he wants to be able to say the N-word. That, that's what corporate press is telling you about this guy. Here's the guy saying, hey, I wanna buy this thing. I know it's not a great business decision and it'll harm my bottom line, but I wanna do it so that people can say mean things about me online. Do you think he's gonna suddenly start banning people who say mean things about him? Of course not, absolutely of course not. That is not gonna be the case. So that is just gonna continue. So I thought, why don't we pause here for a moment and go back to some of really what is going on here, those real life consequences, that you want people to be able to say controversial things. You want people to be able to say things that stir the pot a little bit. Uh, now again, we're not talking about the things that are direct violations of the law. You don't want people to, be, people to be able to make terrorist threats. Okay, we have very strict laws around libel and slander, but that's pretty much it, okay? Um, but you do want people to be able to say controversial things, especially in controversial times. And I'll give you a very personal example of this. As you guys know, back in July of last year, I was suspended on Twitter because I said that vaccine mandates were coming. Fox News actually wrote about it. So here's a little bit from Fox News. They said, Ruben landed in hot water uh, with the social media platform on Thursday night when he tweeted a response to the Biden administration's evolving reaction to the pandemic. Now here is what my tweet was. They want a federal vaccine mandate for vaccines, which are clearly not working as promised just, just weeks ago. People are getting and transmitting COVID despite the vax. Plus now they're prepping us for booster shots. A sane society would take pause. We do not live in a sane society, Ruben tweeted Thursday evening. Okay, so I want you just to think about that for a second. So this is back in July, before the mandates, before the booster shots and all that, when it was just leaking out that the vaccines were not working as promised. And all I did was listen to the information and tweet something that was fairly obvious to me. That's what I did. And I was suspended for that. I had to delete the tweet eventually because I'm a, I guess I have some level of influence. I was, get a, I was able to get enough people to tweet about it that they, they said it was a mistake and they retracted it. But here's the, here's the thing that they sent me. I think we've got that. Uh, they forced me to delete it. So you have to actually delete it. Otherwise you can't get back into your account. Uh, and I think we've got some uh, images here from Washington Post and a few of the other uh, places of journalism uh, where they were basically admitting that I was right. An American tragedy, Biden offers incentives and mandates to get 90 million holdouts to vaccinate, COVID-19 updates, CNN, Pfizer data suggests third dose of COVID-19 vaccine strongly boosts a protection against Delta variant. You can, you can just roll through them. I don't have to read all of them, but you guys see the idea that basically all I did was say something that was true a little bit in advance and that I was suspended for that. There's plenty of other people, say uh, Donald Trump, say Tucker Carlson, say Charlie Kirk, say the Babylon Bee, et cetera, et cetera, that are suspended on Twitter right at this very minute 
for basically saying that boys are not girls and girls are not boys. So I don't mean to make this about me, but I'm just trying to give you an example of just, I'm just some guy, Elon is just some guy that we are sort of all fighting for the same thing here if you're fighting for anything related to truth. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now I thought, why don't we go back a little bit further and see how they've confused and lied and applied pressure on us in crazy ways. So here's a throwback to uh, Fauci and mandates and airplanes and a bunch more. Well, I think the president is, is, is you know, being s- somewhat moderate in his demand, if you want to call it that, in that there are some people who really don't want to get vaccinated, but they don't want to lose their job. You've got to give them an off lane. And the off lane is if you get tested frequently enough and find out you're positive, you won't come to work and you won't infect other people. So it really is somewhat of a compromise there. Myself, I would make it just vaccinate or not. But he was trying to be moderate in what his pronouncement was. Should we have a vaccine mandate for domestic travel, air travel? You know, Chuck, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make any, any pronouncements about what we should have about vaccine mandates for travel. We know that we evaluate these things literally in real time all the time. You know, everything is discussed and everything is on the table. So I always tell you guys, it's important not to forget what they were saying all the way back then. So he was telling us that Biden was being moderate because, okay, fine, you don't have to be vaccinated, but you should have to be tested every day at work if you go in. He would force everybody. So he's actually saying, I would be far worse than Joe Biden, Uh, but Joe Biden's being okay. Uh, Except we know then that Joe Biden was trying to scare the F out of everyone when it came to vaccines, firing all the frontline workers, telling us about the winter of death, et cetera, et cetera. And you may remember this when Ted Cruz uh, basically did a, a really nice job recapping how Biden was trying to destroy the lives of decent people who were just trying to make a medical decision for themselves and their families. We've seen Joe Biden implementing illegal and unconstitutional vaccine mandates, standing up and firing soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines, advocating that doctors be fired, that nurses be fired, that police officers be fired, that firefighters be fired, that airline captains and and flight attendants be fired. Remember when we were firing the people we said were the most important, the essential workers, the people who were keeping law and order, the people who were making sure people were healthy, et cetera, et cetera, and then we started firing all of them? Remember when we did that? Yeah, that's, who'd that come from? That came from Joe Biden. That came from Anthony Fauci. It didn't come from Ted Cruz, okay? That's what they did. But of course they went after everybody and you'll see how I think you're, in case you're not fully playing along, you'll see how I'm linking this to the Elon thing, that the machine starts coming for you if you say something true. You may have heard of this Joe Rogan guy. Remember that month? Well, it was about, it was about a month and a half ago, about six weeks ago, where we had a four day binge where the entire machine kept telling us all that Joe Rogan was a racist. They didn't have any evidence that Joe Rogan was a racist, but they had found him saying the N-word, usually quoting other people or making fun of people who say the N-word. And it was oddly, 
it all happened right after he had Dr. Robert Malone, uh, one of the inventors of the mRNA vax on his show. What is likely to have been the tweet that triggered this? And you know, you never know. The last two that I can think of that went out was one that was on our Substack, in which we um, referred to a fantastic video that has been put out by the Canadian COVID Care Alliance group that summarizes all the malfeasance and data manipulation misinterpretation associated with the Pfizer vaccines and their clinical trials. It's a super video. And um, of course, that's, I guess that is uh, interpreted as something that would cause people to become vaccine hesitant. That's the sin in general, is saying things that cause people to become vaccine hesitant. The other thing that I put out immediately before that was a post, a link to a website for the World Economic Forum that lays out their entire strategy for how they manage media, how they're managing COVID-19, and all of their core messaging. It's a fascinating website with links. Those are the only two things I can think of that would meet the criteria. Okay, so that is Dr. Robert Malone, who has a ton of patents on mRNA technology. He's one of the fathers of the technology. When he made that appearance on The Joe Rogan Show, he was already suspended by Twitter for, as Michael just told me, 19 violations related to COVID misinformation. One of the most respected, highest level experts in mRNA technology was suspended by Twitter. Now, who at Twitter made that decision? Do they have scientists uh, on staff that are making these decisions? Or could these have been political decisions? Are these things related to the government? Does this have anything to do with the same type of people that might not want you knowing about the Hunter Biden laptop? Oh, Lordy, Lordy, am I saying too many true things at once? This can't end well. Do we have a bunker around here, by the way? We need a bunker. We're gonna get a, we have a bunker? No, we're gonna, Florida, you can't have under, you can't have basements. We gotta figure out something. Um, but you get the point. He was already suspended by Twitter when he did that show, then he goes on the Joe Rogan show. And then literally what happens about three days after that, the entire machine, you remember those four days, we had to cover it extensively here, starts telling you that Joe Rogan's a racist, that Joe Rogan's show should be kicked off Spotify. Brian Stelter is doing all these things on CNN about you know Joe Rogan ushers people into the alt-right and all the rest of the nonsense. Ah, but what am I always trying for on this show? Solutions. So what is the solution? Elon Musk. Was there a question? <laughs> why, why, why make that offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, uh, where all, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, so uh, it, it, it's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets, you know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind the scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Um, yeah. 
Guys, really get it into your pores. This is the guy that the machine is now telling you is evil. This is the guy that the corporate press is now telling you is the bad guy. The guy who is saying, oh, there should be more transparency, there should be more honesty, there should be more voices, there should be a more even playing field. And this is exactly the same as to what they did to Joe Rogan a month and a half ago because he was willing to have conversations with basically the world's foremost expert on the mRNA technology. So I'm trying to show you how the machine operates around people that are trying to just have an honest conversation, just have a, a place to talk where there's a little messiness on the fringes where we can think for ourselves and figuring things out. But there is an entire superstructure that exists, the corporate press, to make sure that you cannot see that. And oh, do we have an example? And this is where I, do we have the warning? Can we throw the warning up? Is it a little late for, oh, we've got the warning, the content advisory. What you're about to see is pure bullshit. We have to put that up before we put on these people over at MSNBC. This is the mental institution pre pretending to be a news network. This is Joy Reid. She is a racist, psychotic, American-hating lunatic, but she found a guest that's even worse than her. Here you go. So look at Musk. Musk uh, has built his business through government subsidies years ago and now turns around, stiffs the government on taxes, and, and explains how inefficient government spending is, and he can do everything better privately in space and elsewhere. Uh, he is building in Tesla a documentedly racist company uh, that perhaps reminds him, uh, gives him nostalgic memories of apartheid South Africa where he grew up. That, that is a disgusting human being right there. Like, it is pretty hard. I don't know how the Booker, the Booker should get a freaking award because to find a guest who is worse then Joy Reid is, is a rather extraordinary thing to do. Like somebody should get an award. Can we send them a cake? Let's send them donuts. Let's send them a box of donuts. You found a guest worse than your horrible host. First off, the implication, okay, Tesla is a documentedly racist company. That is the, the most insane thing. Yes, he's, uh, it's not even worth talking about. You get it. He's, this guy is just an idiot. Then he tries to link it back to South Africa, somehow implying that, that Elon Musk and his family were somehow for apartheid. Like it's just, it's just the most awful worst stuff. And also re related to all the tax stuff and everything else, uh, if Elon Musk has broke the law and stiffed the government on taxes, the government would be coming after him. Now, the government comes after plenty of good people who aren't worthy of coming after. But the point is, if he uses the tax subsidies that the government allows, that doesn't mean the tax subsidies are good, right? Uh, hate the game, not the player, right? This was what they were always trying to get Trump on. Trump did all these things that are perfectly legal. I'm angry at Trump. And it's like, all right, if you don't like the tax code, then change the tax code. I've long argued for a flat tax. You should, let's just erase all of the loopholes, erase all of everything, figure out what the tax rates are, meaning that it should be flat for virtually everybody. And if you want to take a little more from the super rich and let a few people off the hook at the bottom, so be it. But that's it. But these people, like that, everything that that crazy person who looks like a villain in Batman on a show with a psychopath, not good people. I don't like these people. Uh, then I said, okay, there's gotta be something else. So then this clip was going around over the weekend. Uh, this is that guy, Joe Scarborough, who used to be kind of saying he went off the deep end. He married his co-host, uh, Misha Brzezinski, and she's sort of nuts too. And I want you to listen to this. This is in 2017, when they're talking about Donald Trump and how they're losing the narrative. And this guy basically might start doing things that they don't like. But I want you to listen to this and think about it as if it was yesterday and them talking about Elon Musk. And I think you're gonna see sort of how this thing operates. So again, just to be clear, this is 2017 talking about Trump, 
but tell me how different this is than exactly what the machine wants you to think about Elon Musk today. Who were Trump voters and are still Trump supporters. They go, yeah, you guys are going crazy. He's doing, what are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts, and it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. If you look at the issues, uh, Yamish is right. He's doing exactly what he said. Did you catch that part? Please later rewind it and watch it again. We should have clipped it. It's her job to tell you what's true, people. It's her job. It, it can't be somebody else's job. It's their job over at MSNBC to tell you what is true. But do you see it's the same thing? Evil Donald Trump was undermining the media. Elon Musk is undermining the media, undermining corporate press, undermining the messaging. Scary people undermining the messaging, letting more people talk, giving you the tools and opportunity to fight for yourself. Crazy orange man and rich billionaire with his spaceships. But there's more from uh, MSNBC. Uh, here's Katie Turner, who's a MSNBC host. And she's freaking out. She's freaking. There are real and devastating consequences for using that platform to lie. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it. We've seen it yes. happen. I, I wonder, you know, when talking about this, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Oh, Elon Musk wants to yeah, buy it. But sure. there are massive life and globe altering, altering consequences for just letting people mm -hmm. run wild on the thing. Yes. <laughs> She's basically crying, saying that more people might be able to say things. What is she talking about? People lie on Twitter every day. People lie in real life every day. Open up Facebook. It is a litany of lies. You people are the chief architects of all of the lies. You're not against lies. You're against other people telling the truth is what you're actually trying to say. These hysterical children should all be studied and institutionalized. But it's not just MSNBC. Here's Potato Man Stelter, and he's freaking out too because, you know, Elon might start allowing people to think about the messaging differently. He might start allowing people to get alternate information. He might start uh, having it known that these people are all liars and con artists. This, the questions, the, the hopes and the fears that he's going to come in and overhaul uh, Twitter's policies, let anything go on Twitter and remove some of the rules of the road. You think that's not likely? Well, I don't know. I just think he has to persuade people. It's just he's not king mm. of Twitter. He's, you know, it's he can he's a board member of 12 board members. And then there's a management staff. Now, some people might agree with him. Some people might not. But this is a public company. And so he can't just decree things. He can certainly do it on Twitter and create lots of pressure and a lot of fun in some ways. And some of the ideas are good and some of the ideas are odd. Um, but that's OK. So who cares? Essentially, that's what Twitter. What's interesting about that is the guest there, Kara Swisher, she's a leftist New York Times whack job. I'm pretty sure she's called me racist a couple of times on Twitter. She actually is starting to sound like the voice of reason there. He's not the king of Twitter. The guy's trying to buy it. What's interesting also about the board versus the uh, shareholders is that every single, I just want to be very, very clear about this. As someone that started a startup and that eventually we merged with a bigger company, 
if on any given day over the past three and a half years when I was running locals and everyone who's ever done a startup or anyone who's ever done a business, any business, if you got a call from Elon Musk and Elon Musk was like, hey, I'd like to buy your business and I'd like to buy it for much more than it's worth. That is the greatest day as a business owner you could possibly have. Whether you have a pizza joint and Elon Musk is like, I want to get into the pizza biz or you have a tech company uh, or whatever you have. If you got a call from the richest man in the world who said, I like what you're doing and I'd like to help it grow. Or in this case, he's not even saying it's a functional business. He's just saying, I'd like to do something good with the world. That is the greatest thing that could happen. So if you are a shareholder of Twitter right now, you should be on the phone with your lawyer because they are offering, they, Elon Musk, his people, are offering way more than the company is worth. And I'm pretty sure that if you invested in something, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but uh, if, if you were to invest in, Connor, help me with this one. You're a bright guy. If you were to invest in something, would you want more or less money from it, let's say three years later? More, okay, Michael? More. Geniuses, I'm working with freaking geniuses here. Generally, you put money into an investment and then your hope is that the company is run well and that the money becomes more valuable and then you can sell the shares accordingly or you can keep riding it out, sell some, save some, et cetera, et cetera. That's what the beauty of stocks are, okay? That's what capitalism and the free exchange of, of goods and value, that's what it's all about. So. The, the shareholders basically are now at war with the board. The board who has decided we will not do what is fiduciarily best for the company. What is financially best for the company is not something we are interested in. And it makes you wonder if they're not uh, in business for business, right? And business is all about creating capital and making money. If they're not in business for business, what is Twitter in business for? Could they be in the business of controlling information? Is that is that an actual business? And then Boy, there's a lot of questions that we'd have to ask after that. Um, so there is something very interesting happening. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's more from Stelter, and he's freaking out because this might have something to do with marijuana. Ah! Twitter's now in a very public fight with its biggest shareholder, who is also the richest man in the world, who, of course, is you know the, invested in Tesla and so many other companies, and he wants to be invested more in Twitter. He says he wants to pay $54.20 a share to buy up the rest of Twitter that he doesn't have, of course, 5420, that's 420, that's a code for marijuana, uh, you know, which he very much enjoys. So is this all a troll or is this very real? Well, it's real enough that he filed with the SEC. It's real enough that he's saying this is my best and final offer. It's real enough that investors are now wondering what's going to happen if he pulls out and sells all the shares he already has. It's a huge problem for Twitter right now. All right, I'm back with you. I took a little bit of a detour there halfway through that explanation because it's just so bizarre. Right. I mean, the 420 coding and everything. Yeah. For the record, the only way to watch CNN is stoned, okay? I'm not here to push drugs on any of you, but I'm also here not to tell anyone to watch CNN, but seriously, little something. And, it, and if you stare into Wolf Blitzer's beard long enough, you will see something. Like you can actually have a religious experience. You, should not watch, you shouldn't watch CNN either way, um, but, but anyway, you see that it's just, not, it's just all nonsense. It's all nonsense, but okay, Dave, you're showing us all these scary videos of these corporate people and they don't like this man and they're lying about him and they're very freaked out. But we want solutions, Dave. We want solutions. Elon Musk. Okay, so, so you don't like to lose. If in this case you are not successful in, you know, the board does not accept your offer, you've said you won't go higher, is there a plan B? There is. I think, we, I think we would like to hear a little bit about Plan B. For, for another time, I think. 
Another time. Yeah. All right. So I don't know what Plan B is, um, but I can tell you this. Elon Musk getting involved in this thing, this is big. And obviously he had a plan B. It's not like he just made the offer and thought, oh, they're gonna automatically take the offer. Uh, and if they don't take the offer, I'll just look like the loser. He obviously was planning something. There are, are alternative pipes being built right now. Peter Thiel, who was the original founder of PayPal, which is sort of where this all started, this, this internet world, where this all kind of started when then we could exchange money online. I remember the first time I got on PayPal, I had moved into a new apartment. I was a broke comic, and I was basically living in a hallway with a twin-size bed because I had three roommates who they had an extra. It was literally a hallway, and they were like, "You could sleep on a cot." In essence, give, give us two hundred bucks a month or something like that. I said, "Okay, how do how do we how do I pay you?" They said, "PayPal." And I had to sign up for PayPal. I could not believe that you could link an email address to your bank account. Anyway, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel founded PayPal way back when, and uh, Peter Thiel obviously put money into Rumble. Locals is involved with Rumble. Like the alternate pipes are being built. So maybe that PayPal mafia, as it's called, uh, is gonna come together. I don't know. Maybe, I, I just, I honestly have no idea, but like maybe all of the guys who started this thing 20 years ago are about to make a big move to go a little bit further. But why does Elon Musk wanna do all this in case it's not obvious? Why? Well, he was asked. Well, you're, you're a fighter and you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't like to lose and, and you, you, you are determined that you don't. Basically, I, I mean, you are... Sure, I don't like to lose. I'm not sure many people do. Um, but the, the, the truth matters to me a, a lot. Uh, really, like, sort of pathologically, it matters to me. Truth. It matters. It matters a lot to this guy. It matters a lot to me. And that reminded me of another video that we showed you a couple months ago. This is from a guy you may have heard of, Dr. Jordan Peterson, when he was on Tucker Carlson's Fox Nation show talking about truth and why it matters. You make your decisions in life, and I decided when I was very young, I'm in my mid-20s, that I was going to say what I believed and see what happened. I talked to you earlier in the talk about adventure, you know, about the adventure of truth, and I don't th think I'm happy about what has happened, and I certainly have dragged my family through their fair share of, well, both hell and, and also incomprehensible opportunity. It's ex expanded our lives in both directions to a tremendous degree, but... It's certainly been an adventure. It's not been dull. And I don't believe that it, I don't believe that it was a mistake. Whatever happens as a consequence of telling the truth is the best thing that can happen. It doesn't really matter how it looks to you at the moment or maybe even across the years. Because you have to, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an article of faith in some sense. Do you believe that reality is better constituted as a consequence of truth or falsity? If you believe that reality is best constituted as a consequence of truth, then you have a responsibility to speak the truth. So truth matters a lot to Elon Musk. Truth matters a lot to Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson goes on to say that it is a matter of faith, right? It is a matter of faith, meaning that if you believe in the truth for truth's sake, that's a matter of faith. You have to take a leap of faith to believe that. It, you know, the idea that you would just say the truth and that something better is gonna happen, as Jordan's saying, a lot of bad things can happen, but it will be the best of all outcomes because you're believing in truth and trying to put truth in the world, and that is what sets some order in the world. That is a matter of faith. There's probably not a lot of empirical evidence for that. As Jordan said, his life was stretched both ways, bad and good, through all of the things that he's done. But okay, here's Elon Musk saying, I will fight for truth. There's Jordan Peterson saying, I will fight for truth. I'm trying to fight for some truth. I actually think that uh, after 
the, the Passover Easter weekend, maybe that's lodged a little more in you guys too. That a little truth amongst the nonsense of the modern world and the people that want to control us, maybe it matters. Maybe it actually matters. I think that it does. Am I completely bananas? I think that it does. Uh, guys, it's me Monday over at the Rubin Report Locals Community. Here's what I put up. These are the NPC people. I love this NPC meme. If, you don't, if you're not a, a memester online, you may not know what that is. These characters that you're seeing there, those are known as NPCs, non-playable characters. These are in video games when you come across like just like an automated character who can only move in certain ways, can't think for themselves, can't really do anything, uh, just designed by sort of like poor AI and you just have to get around them, jump on their heads, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all saying spaceship man bad. These are all blue check Twitter NPCs, spaceship man bad, because you can see they've all become part of the Borg. It's the group think against the individual. That's what this thing is really about. Uh, we've got some comments before we've got a cold close for you at the end of the show today. Uh, we've got some comments from the locals community. Casey says, when it comes to freedom of speech, where do you draw the line and who draws the line in the first place? Look, the founders laid it out pretty freaking well. They really did. They really did. You can say whatever you want with a couple of restrictions around it. Direct threat for violence. The most crazy extreme laws that we have around libel and slander, which is why they're almost never used. You're allowed to say that people are mean and bad and all sorts of stuff. Trust me, people say it about me all the time. Uh, but direct threats to violence basically is it. You are allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater, just not with the intent to do harm. Uh, there are all sorts of, of things that you are allowed to say and should be allowed to say. The First Amendment has nothing to do with misinformation or disinformation. And if it did, Joe Biden would be in Gulag 36A because here is the same guy who just back in June told us if you get the vaccine, you will not get nor transmit COVID. Uh, Dragonhawk says, Fauci is a fascist. Why do people talk to this clown? Because once they're in, once you've been part of the lies for so long, all of these corporate people, it just sucks too, because it's like, man, I just wish you guys were better. That, that's the irony. The clip up top that Elon was saying, you know, he, in essence, he's saying we need truth. We need some sense making. We need, we need some trusted into institutions, but none of them work anymore. And if some of them worked, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But once these people have gone in so deep, you've treated Fauci like a king, right? Beyond a king, you've treated him like a god. You can't start backing out and going, oh, god bad. You just very rarely can do that and become an apostate to that cult, which also you could liken the reverse of that, all of the people who decided that their whole worldview was based on what Trump was, right? Uh, which is what I said about a lot of the atheists. Like, you don't believe in God, but you believe that Trump is the devil. If you think that he's the devil, well, then every time he makes a decision, you're gonna make the opposite decision. But that's no way to live. That's no way to, to live life. That's no way to make your decisions, right? But a lot of people have done that. Uh, Margo says, is this the last day of your show for a while, Dave, because of the tour? Uh, okay, so uh, that's a good question, and I should address some of that stuff. So we are hitting the road. So uh, no, first off, tomorrow... I will be in studio because the show is in West Palm Beach. So I'm going to be in studio tomorrow and then I head up to West Palm uh, and then I start traveling. So the day after that, I'm in Clearwater. Then I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. As you can see, day after that, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, then day after that, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. So it's five shows in a row. Oh no, six shows in a row. Then we got Dallas, Texas, seven shows in a row. Washington, D.C. Man, I am going to be busy. Well, eight. West Nyack, New York. Okay, so we got eight nights in a row. It's going to be crazy. So yes, I will not be in studio for a little bit. I will miss you too. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I'll be out there with the people with the one second hug and all that. 
Uh, pretty much all the VIP tickets are sold out, so I don't know how many more hugs I can be given. We've got general admission uh, tickets at some of the shows still remaining, uh, but I'm seriously psyched to get out there. Oh, by the way, I think I mentioned this on Friday, but Facebook completely banned us from the ability to put ads on Instagram or Facebook related to the tour because what was the line? They said, I might influence public opinion. I'm a very scary person and you know, I get up there and I, who knows what I'm gonna say. I may not do manufactured talking points like uh, the mental institution of MSNBC or the loony bin of CNN. And I get up there and uh, it, it's loosely scripted in that I don't have a script. I just have a couple thoughts rattling in my brain and I get out there and I talk to you guys and Q and A and my guests and all that. I might influence public opinion. So we could not put any ads on this tour, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but that's the way they're doing it with us. So we're, we're pushing it out and I hope to see you guys. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things our tour managers have been telling us that people's buying habits related to COVID, people are still, if you wanna think of like long-term ways that COVID changed us, people's buying habits, where in the old days you would buy tickets for things months before, uh, now people are just buying things basically day of because they're so worried that things are gonna get canceled and people, money, money is tight and all sorts of stuff. By the way, if you're struggling financially or, or if you were a, a veteran or something, like email us, I'll figure out a way to get you to the show. I'll do as mu much of that as I can. There's a limited amount of seats, but I don't want anyone to feel like they can't come for financial reasons or, or if you've helped out this country, I, I will do what I can for you. DaveRubin.com slash events. But all of that to say, uh, we've got some compilations that we're putting up. I've got new interviews that we've stocked up and the live DMs will resume on May 2nd. So uh, stick around. Hang tight. I'm not disappearing. I'll do some stuff from the road. Michael, you're coming with me, aren't you? You have a phone? Is that phone connected to the uh, internet there? Michael will take video of me doing things. Maybe eating a meal. Maybe doing a show. Who knows what we're going to do? Anything's possible. Uh, guys, my full interview with Michael Knowles. He interviewed me on my show about my book. You could almost puke. Uh, is up right now on YouTube and Rumble and on Locals. Uh, again, the tickets are available at DaveRubin.com slash events. And uh, in a final co cold close today, I think this is a nice summation of where we're at in the post-woke world. You know, there are American heroes who don't like this idea. Neil uh, Armstrong, Gene Cernan have both testified against commercial spaceflight in the way that you're developing it. And I wonder what you think of that. I was very sad to see that. Um, because those guys are, yeah, you know, th those guys are heroes of mine, so it's really tough. You know, I, I wish they would come and visit and, and see the hardware that we're doing here. And, and I think that would change their mind. They inspired you to do this, didn't they? Yes. And to see them casting stones in your direction. It's difficult. Did you expect them to cheer you on? So they're hoping they would. Did you think, I need to pack this in? Never. Why not? I don't ever give up. I mean, I'd have to be dead or completely incapacitated. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.